0: Thank <laughs> there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on BuffaloRumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcast, including I want to let our fans know you can find this podcast with your Alexa device by saying, Alexa, play the Buffalo Rumblings podcast and you will get our family of podcasts and you can go through and of course listen to all of the podcasts on our channel including our beloved Believe podcast here. We are coming to you right after the 2020 NFL draft. The virtual draft has been concluded. The Buffalo Bills have added seven players to their draft or to their class rather from the draft. They've also been busy adding some undrafted rookie free agents and we will get into our thoughts on this draft class, what Buffalo did right, where some of the misses might have taken place out of one Bill's drive. But before, of course, we get to all of that, uh, my name is John Boccasino, welcoming on our co-host and colleague, Jamie D'Amico. Jamie, the draft is over with. Are you able to finally like take a little bit of a breather and take some stock into what Buffalo did?
1: It's the most wonderful time of the year, as they say. Well, okay, as I say, and now I'm just I'm soaking in all of the YouTube videos of the guys that got drafted, reading the pundits what they have to say about it. I absolutely love the post draft review. This is so much fun. I, I wish we could have the draft three times a year.
0: It was it was really nice to uh, to actually have some live sporting event. Uh, to focus on and come together for social media to respond to. I, I found it funny uh, Roger Goodell being the MC of the draft uh, and how he seemed to get more and more inebriated as the draft went on. And eventually (laughs) you got your little cozy Roger Goodell when he was sitting down in his easy chair. And I, I imagine he had a glass of nice scotch that he was taking a nip on between the picks out there. I thought it was fun to watch how they tried to force fan interaction uh, with the zooms and the the fans in the background. And at one point I, I don't have this confirmed, but I have a strong suspicion that Roger Goodell, you you could hear him talking to the fans. And at one point he was like, Come on, Jets fans, boomy. Is that all you got? And I don't have this confirmed, but I don't think the fans could actually hear what Goodell was saying, which I thought made for really good drama watching those interactions out there.
1: Right, and at one point he was showing the fans uh, the draft card. It looked like, and I was thinking to myself, I, I don't see a camera there. Uh, maybe there's a webcam. I don't know, but it was it was odd. It, but you know, overall, considering. The draft went off really well. I like the way it went this year. Now granted you had the issues of some of the you know the analysts not being there so there was a delay at times in their interaction. I didn't think it was that bad. I think that ESPN and ABC which is what I watched deserved a major thumbs up for pulling off a difficult situation and making it viewable.
0: Yeah, you know this this gives a uh, credibility to the thought that moving forward the drafts, I know that they like to have the fans you know, get involved and, and they rotate these to the different cities, but I would not complain at all if the draft was moved virtual moving forward. It's never going to happen because they want to sell money and make profit off of this uh, money-making event here. But I really enjoyed the virtual setting and I thought it was kind of cool to watch the way it all played out and uh, people around the country got a chance to gather around and talk about their favorite team. The moves they made, and and Jamie, I want to start off our our fun podcast here as we are recapping the Buffalo Bills' 2020 NFL draft and the Hall of Players that are coming in to an already competitive roster. Buffalo added seven players to this draft class, and I'm going to run through their names real quick in case people are under a rock and didn't get a chance to listen to any of the draft coverage but the Bills started off adding iowa defensive end aj epinesa in the second round with pick 54 they took zach moss the running back out of utah with pick 86 in the third round they got gabriel davis the wide receiver out of central florida in the fourth round jake Fromm, the quarterback from georgia came in the fifth round the kicker tyler bass out of georgia southern came in the sixth round along with oregon state's dynamic wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins, and the seventh round last pick at number 239 was cornerback Dane Jackson out of Pittsburgh, Buffalo's Mr. Irrelevant, finally adding a uh, cornerback to the roster. So, Jamie, we set the table pretty nicely leading into the draft, what Buffalo needed to address, where some of the holes were on this team. We both were of the consensus that the Bills had a luxury and that they could go after the best Player available with their draft picks. Now that the dust has settled and we're sitting here after the draft, what are your thoughts on what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott were able to do for the Bills with their draft picks?
1: I see some good and I see some bad in this. And we'll start with the good. The good is that they seem to get excellent value with their first three picks. You know, people were mocking AJ Epinesa going to the Bills at number 22 when Buffalo still had a first-round pick, they got him at 54. Great value. And people were also talking about the Bills drafting Zach Moss in the second round. They got him in the third, and then a very productive receiver in the fourth round. So as far as value goes, it was excellent. They also did something else that I was hoping they would do and not trade up because my philosophy is You need to have volume in the draft. I wasn't so much interested in them trading down for more picks as much as I wanted them to keep all the selections that they had because you're improving the likelihood of building depth on your roster with better players when you have more players coming into camp. I was happy with that. But are you ready for me to criticize this? I know this is going to make me unpopular. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of the fun parts of this podcast with Jamie and myself is that a lot of times we think sort of similarly. We have similar viewpoints as as fans. And and Jamie, I, I want to before I get to you dropping the other shoe, I do want to say um, I overall am, am very pleased with what Buffalo did with one exception. Um, and, and really, I feel like, you know, the Bill's The only way they could have gone wrong in this one, I feel like would have been to take a running back with number 54, even though, you know, Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor and all these great guys, Cam Akers, it turned out that a lot of running backs went a lot earlier than I was thinking they were going to go on this draft board. And, you know, the other concern I heard was, you know, the bills have spent a lot of capital now on the defensive line uh, by adding up Vanessa with the 54th overall pick. AJ Epinesa to me, and we're going to do more of a deep dive into some of these players, but I want to say I love what Buffalo did with their first three picks. They tackled the biggest areas of need that they felt like they had that this, and, and I'm going to break some news to people. Cornerback was a major concern that I heard a lot of my bills friends saying they wished Buffalo would go after with their second, third or fourth pick. They didn't address the position till Dane Jackson picked 239 out of Pittsburgh, What that shows to me is this regime is so happy and comfortable with what the guys they have in that room right now, with Trey White, with Levi Wallace, with Josh Norman, with EJ Gaines, and with Taron Johnson, that they weren't going to go up and try to get a Bryce Hall or a Jalen Johnson or a Cam Dinsler. There's a lot of guys at Buffalo were linked to uh, with that cornerback position. I feel like Brandon Bean, and again, draft grades are ridiculous. I'm not going to sit here and grade this class. We're not going to know until two, three, four years down the road how well they did. But given what Buffalo needed and given what was available on the board, I think Buffalo, like you said, got a lot of great value picks. They addressed positions of need. They got really good talent in there. And to me, I'm very happy with this draft. So now take me off of that Um, awesome, happy rage of what Buffalo has gone through and and your optimism that I gave you with Buffalo's picks. Take us down a bit, Jamie. What did you not like about this?
1: What I didn't like was the athletic ability top to bottom of this draft class. Most of these guys didn't perform all that well at the scouting combine. You had Epinesa who ran a 40-yard dash in over five seconds. Which is undoubtedly why he was available at toward the end of round two you have um you have Zach Moss who and looking at the forty time again four point six five that is slow for a running back now his twenty yard shuttle time was outstanding you had uh, you had Gabriel Davis whose time wasn't terrible but you know wasn't spectacular um Isaiah Hodgins he ran the 40 in 4.61 that's slow that that's that's a tight end speed right there now at the same time I I think him being 64 and having a having 33 inch uh arms that's going to make him Potentially a very good player. In fact, he, he grades out similar to Juju Smith Schuster in, in a lot of ways. So that's potentially pretty good. But you know what you're looking at then with Dane Jackson, another guy, almost 4.6, 4.75 was his 40 time. And he's only weighing in around 187 pounds. So he's not even going to be a big nickel type player. He's a corner that doesn't have recovery speed. Now, he was a good player in college. He was productive, um, doesn't have great ball skills. And my thought is in the late rounds, you should be trying to find your athletes that you can coach up, not the guys who were productive in college that don't necessarily have the athletic ability. And the pick I'm going to assume that you didn't love was taking a kicker. Am I correct there?
0: You are correct. I thought if Buffalo was going to attack the special teams, it would have drafted a punter uh, versus going for a place kicker. I don't have any problem with bringing in competition for Stephen Hauschka. I just thought that there were undrafted free agents that could have fit the bill better than spending a pick on Tyler Bass, who I no doubt what people are saying is he was one of the biggest uh, legged kickers out there. He's one of the best kicking prospects out there. From Georgia southern and the bills of course used a sixth round draft pick on him but i just felt there were better resources uh, available for the kicking game than 188 to use on a kicker
1: i i agree with that i saw that his career long is 50 yards and he made 20 of 28 kicks as a senior not good so is he even going to make the team i that doesn't sound to me like he's better than
0: Steven hoka the other th- now i will say because- I do want I do want to I do want to go back on and talk about a couple cuz you threw a lot at us uh with your debunking of the Buffalo Bills draft class. I I'm not going to go out there and judge an entire player's credibility as a draft candidate on their combine performance. Of course not. I I know that and people people love to it's amazing how players can rise or fall on a draft board after playing their last game because of how pundits view them. Running in shorts against no competition, you know, the three cone drill, the 40 yard dash. First of all, I think we should get rid of the 40 yard dash as a metric for anything involving football, unless you're talking about gauging kickoff coverage. Because at what point is a player running for 40 consecutive yards? Outside of a running back or a wide receiver who's busting open a home run play. I think it's an antiquated stat. And I, I respect where you're coming from with saying that their times didn't impress you as much, but I have a different I have a different viewpoint on it. I think Epinesa, if you look at what he did for Iowa, he was projected to be a top 15, top 20 guy at one point this year. And I I, I really challenge you to find somebody who had a better final five and a half weeks of the college football season than Epinesa did, especially at the pass rushing edge, rushing position. No player in any power five team had more sacks than Epinesa over his final five games. He had eight over those final five games. He destroyed a really good Minnesota team late in the regular season, two and a half sacks in the holiday bowl against a pretty quality Southern Cal offensive line. He got two and a half more sacks, uh, against the Trojans. But the performance to me that really seals the deal for Epinesa was he's playing at Nebraska, a team that's not great, but has a lot to play for, a lot of pride. They're playing at home. Epinesa had four and a half tackles for a loss, 14 total tackles, two sacks. It was unbelievable to watch the way that he threw around these big corn-fed linemen of Nebraska like they were ragdolls. And I I feel like Buffalo, to me, I love the Epinesa pick, even though I like Terrell Lewis quite a lot out of Alabama to go 54. The fact that he fell to the Rams at what pick 80 something shows that I was kind of alone in, in that thought. And he had reasons for falling with all of his health injuries. I think Epinesa is the perfect guy to bring in, to plug into this defensive line rotation, and it allows Trent Murphy to go (laughs) bye bye save $8 million with with essentially the same type of characteristics and skills that Murphy's touted for at a much cheaper salary. So that's where I'm going to start my point counterpoint. I want to go back and forth because I have a lot to say about Moss, and I have a lot to say about Gabriel Davis. Okay. But Epinesa, what what now that we're kind of in the weeds yes. with this, what 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 did you not like about the uh, the Epinesa uh, pick? Was it was it the fact that his stock you thought was kind of falling from just a combine alone?
1: Well, here's the thing. I like the Epinesa pick. And my my issue with the Bills draft is more philosophical in that if you look at it top to bottom, I wanted more high-end athletes. But when you take a guy like Epinesa. His game isn't speed. His game is power. Now, I would have definitely liked to see him do more than 17 reps uh, on the bench press at the combine, but you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can develop power when you're going up against an offensive lineman, and undoubtedly a lot of his power comes from his lower body. So do I like that pick? Yes. I really like that pick. I think that what we have here is a more refined version of Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson went out and got $10 million a year and God bless him for it. I don't think he was worth it. And I think the Bills used their second round pick this year to improve upon that position. He may not come out of the gate. Playing as well as Shaq Lawson did last year, but I think the upside is is higher for. There's a higher ceiling for Epinesa, and he's a, a kind of guy who they're going to have to use a little bit differently than they have their uh, their defensive ends. You know, because he's more of a power guy, he's somebody who you're going to line up. Head on to uh, an offensive lineman, and perhaps even play two gaps with the power that he's got. He's not the kind of guy who's going to knife into the backfield and and use his speed to get there. But I I think he's going to be productive, and I like him. I, I think that was a great selection at fifty four.
0: Especially and, and 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 Jamie, this is the fun of this is going back and forth, and and you know we're we're not spending five hours talking about each of these you know, picks up there, we're kind of giving you our our quick hitter takes on it. But I just I like the fact that, you know, with when it comes to Epinesa, his physicality, he's not gonna get outworked. He's gonna push guys around. And no, no, he doesn't have the quickest first step, the most explosive first step. But the fact that this guy has shown that he can perform and play against great offensive linemen in the big 10 and have his own way and dominate them, I think really bodes well when it comes to competing in the AFC East. And the other thing I liked about it is somebody like Epinesa, who I don't know anything about this kid, whether he reads the draft hype, whether he expected to get drafted in the first round. But I'll tell you this, what I have read is the chip on his shoulder that's going to come from falling into the middle of the second round, when you were projected to go in the first round, Sean McDermott had mentioned how he feels that this is going to motivate Epinesa to do great things and reach great heights on this defensive line. And I'm totally with him on thinking that when somebody expects to go higher than they really do, and they fall, that's going to provide added motivation and added, added incentive. And you can hide Epinesa's weaknesses. You can hide the fact that he's not the most explosive, quick pass rusher off the line of scrimmage on this defensive line, because You know, if Jerry Hughes can get back to the form that we expect him to get to, if Ed Oliver continues to progress along that defensive line, if the Bills are able to get the pass rushing protection out of Mario Addison and Quinton Jefferson that they expected, Epinesa doesn't have to step in right away and be like a Chase Young who's going to throw around opposing offensive linemen. He can find himself, he can find his routine and really grow into that role and again, make Trent Murphy expendable. So to me, I'm glad you like the pick because I feel it really matches the Bill's biggest need heading in, which was getting that developmental pass rusher. No offense to Daryl Johnson, who I'm not sure what his future is going to be on the team as a 2019 seventh rounder. But I just feel like Epinesa really crossed off a lot of those boxes, so to speak. The
1: other thing is that the quality of defensive ends after him, there was a huge drop-off. So if they didn't select him there, it was probably going to be somebody far later in the draft who may not be an impact player. So it, it was the right pick at the right time.
0: And and many Bills fans, and that's a very good point there. I mean, you're looking at guys like a, you know Alton Robinson out of Syracuse. Um, was one of the guys, there's a bunch of these that went after Epinesa, but you're, you're talking about a major drop-off in productivity and and profile and pedigree after Epinesa was drafted on the board. I'm telling you though, there were also a lot of bills fans who would have gone crazy with excitement. If the bills had used pick number 22 on Epinesa. So the fact that you can still get Stefan Diggs and Epinesa with that second round pick, Made me very happy for what Buffalo is doing on the defensive side of things. And then the team goes and attacks the running back position, which as much as TJ Yeldon is still on the roster, and I still think Yeldon can be a productive member of this team, albeit now as the running back three. Buffalo goes out and adds their bruising in between the tackles runner who can really punish and be aggressive with his cuts. He's an extremely talented running back. It's Zach Moss, the 86th pick in the third round out of Utah. Give me your breakdown, Jamie, on what you liked about Buffalo bringing in Moss and maybe what you didn't like about the
1: pick? Well, my buddy Seth had pointed out that there's a school of thought that you want to select a running back or you want to have two running backs with similar skill sets. Therefore, the offense doesn't necessarily know, or I'm sorry, the defense doesn't necessarily know what's coming at them. And you could tell last year when Frank Gore was on the field, you knew that it was going to be a run up the middle and seldom was it successful? Because this team just isn't really set up for power running. It does much better getting toward the edge, stretching the defense to the outside. And What I like about this is that Zach Moss is similar to Devin Singletary in that they're not speed demons. Um, They're going to break arm tackles, but they're not going to move the pile per se, but they're very quick with really good vision. They see the field, they see their blockers, they see potential tacklers coming at them and they can cut on a dime and that I really like. What I don't like about this pick is because you already have a good starting running back in Devin Singletary, I feel like taking a running back this early is a more of a luxury pick. It it's not a guy who's going to necessarily catch the majority of snaps. Now, maybe Brandon Bean is looking to what he did in Carolina with Jonathan Stewart and wait, and it was Jonathan Stewart. Who was the other guy? D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams. You got it. I knew you were going to get there. (laughs) It takes me a minute. Um, He can probably end up being productive. If you are going to select a running back there, I probably was going a different direction. I know a lot of people wanted the big hulking running back that can, you know, run over people. I was thinking maybe what you needed was more of a home run hitter type of back. Somebody who could, you know, rip off 20, 30 yards or score from anywhere on the field. Because one of the things that I'd like to see is, you know, more, more speed on the team as a whole. But, you know, overall, I think I'm, I think I'm good with this. It was my brother who said, um, he said, yeah, look, Bean says he doesn't draft on need, he goes what's best available. And if that's what's best on his board, then I'm a, I'm okay with it. I trust him. And I said, you know what? I think I'm gonna quote you on the podcast because you you framed it really well there.
0: That is, that's a good way to look at this pick. And I get I get the point you're making, Jamie, about are Moss and Singletary one and the same when it comes to, you know, none of them are are extremely tall. Singletary's 5'7, 203. Moss is 5'9", but I think what for me really cemented this pick as to why I liked it the more I read, I'm seeing a lot of supposed draft experts and pundits comparing, um, d- comparing Zach Moss to Marshawn Lynch beast mode. And when you're talking about somebody like Motor Singletary, who has that elusiveness and can definitely break free and break the long runs, and you talk about a guy like Zach Moss who can deliver punishing runs, he's got that low center of gravity. In fact, the stat I read the most about Zach Moss that I love was the fact that over the past three seasons at Utah, he broke a tackle on one third of his rushing attempts, which was the third highest percentage in the nation Over that stretch. So to me, you're getting somebody who has a great ability to break tackles, to turn those third and ones into five, six, seven yard gains where we saw Frank Gore coming up. Chronically short during the second half of last year, Moss immediately replaces Gore and makes Buffalo's backfield better. And for an offense for Buffalo that ranked eighth in the NFL in rushing yards per game last year at a hair under 130, this is only going to make that unit combined with the offensive line, hopefully taking that next step forward. There's no excuses for this offense because Buffalo now has all of their wide receiver weapons. They have the tight end position locked down. They bring in everybody from their offensive line last year to compete and open up the holes for the team. And then you bring in a complimentary back like Zach Moss. I just, to me, I really like the pick. I'm glad Buffalo didn't have to reach up and you know draft. They were they were talking about trading up because Bean loved Moss. Now, granted, after the draft, no one's gonna say, boy, we hated that guy, and we just had to take him because we had no better options. You know, they're always going to put a positive spin on their draft movement, but the fact that Buffalo wanted to draft, trade up, rather, to draft Moss, and they were able to still get him with pick 86, to me, I love it. I think it's a great addition, and, you know, the Bills are
2: really going to have a solid offense with no excuses in 2020. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— VAN twenty nine dot com
1: and then that moves us on to their next pick, which is Also a pick on offense. What was your take on Gabriel Davis? You seem to like him a lot.
0: I do. And look, we all know that this draft class was lauded for being historically deep with wide receiver talent. And, you know, as much as Buffalo could have been tempted to go for a T Higgins uh, with their second round pick, or they could have tried to trade up and you look at Minnesota, they got Justin Jefferson out of LSU with Buffalo's original 22 pick. Who I love. I was happy. Oh, oh, Justin Jefferson's sick. I mean, he is going to be a phenomenal weapon for Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. Um, but I I like Gabriel Davis quite a lot. I like the fact that he adds a unique dimension to this wide receiver room. Brandon Bean himself said he was tired of hearing people comparing the Bills receivers to Smurfs, meaning they're not the tallest group. And he's, he's right. You know, John Brown and Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs are not the biggest of playmakers. The only tall receiver Buffalo really has is Duke Williams. That all changes with Gabriel Davis coming in, pick 128 out of Central Florida. He's six foot two. He's got an incredible ability to go up and make incredible catches. Um, He tracks the ball quite well with his receptions. I believe he caught 150 passes for his career 23 touchdowns in three seasons. His mix of size, speed, and ability to make difficult catches in traffic really makes me feel happy with this pick. I know Buffalo Bills fans maybe are going to nitpick a little bit over a Central Florida receiver and bring in somebody from less of a, a pedigree program than some of the better draft prospects came this year. But I think to me, Davis has an ability to really be eventually down the road as good of a number two receiver on this team. I'm not saying this year. I'm not saying next year, but his pedigree and his talent. Oh, I like this pick. How about you?
1: He reminds me a lot of the types of receivers that have been successful for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He seems to have that Juju Smith Schuster, uh, Mike Wallace sort of long speed in them. Um, now, he's not that fast. He's, you know, worse than a uh 4.5 in in the 40 and his uh 20 yard shuttle isn't the best so he's not he's not real nimble uh but what he has is the ability to press deep so he's he's an x receiver um and the x receiver is the same position that John Brown plays but obviously he brings a very different skill set which is he's the guy that can go up that can uh, that can use his body well, and that's the big thing that scouts seem to be saying about him: is that his body control is unbelievable, in that he uses his body to to box out defensive backs, and uh, you know he's very good at catching balls on the sideline as well because he's excellent at getting his feet down. Um, is he a guy who's going to get a lot after the catch? Well, he hasn't shown that ability in college, but you know, that's not necessarily what they're using him for now. It's going to be, there's going to be a little bit of development that he's going to need going down the the pike. Cause he didn't run a full route tree. He ran, ran mostly go patterns and posts and the bills offense is more complex than that. So we'll see where that, where that ends up taking him, But I think this guy has a potential to develop into a, a really solid receiver. And I know, uh, I, I, know I, I compared um, Isaiah Hodgins to Juju Smith-Schuster, but the measurables on Gabriel Davis are actually a- almost exact to Smith-Schuster, and we know how good that guy is.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it that you know, with with this pick here with Davis, the Bills get more well-rounded with the receiver core. They add somebody who just knows how to go up and get it and track the ball at its highest point and come down with those catches. And I know he's not a household name like a lot of the receivers that he's being compared to, but if you're able to get a poor man's kind of T. Higgins, who went number 33 overall to Cincinnati, you get him with pick 128. Like Buffalo did, I think it's a great value. I think he's going to really help out this receiver room. And the fact that he doesn't have to step in right away and be a guy like a Jerry Judy or a Henry Ruggs who's expected to contribute as a number one wide receiver from day one, he can sit in there. He can learn from great veterans like John Brown and like Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs. And I think that it's a good addition for this roster. He's not without his warts. I get it. He's not the fastest receiver, but. I think there's still more to be said uh, for the fact that Davis gives Buffalo a new dimension that they were lacking uh, heading into this draft class. Now, Jamie, we come to the point in the podcast where I feel like a very polarizing pick was made in the draft, and it was a quarterback. We all know that Buffalo currently has three quarterbacks on the roster in Josh Allen, Matt Barkley, and Davis Webb. Uh, Matt Barkley has one more year left as Allen's understudy. The Bills go out there and they attack the quarterback position. I I was actually hoping they were going to pick a quarterback, but I didn't think they were going to get one of the – Top five quarterbacks in the draft class, if you ask me, by going out there and getting Jake Fromm out of Georgia with pick 167 in the fifth round. Before I give you my thoughts, lay it on us. What do you think about this move?
1: Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> I, I absolutely love this pick. Yes.
0: <laughs> you, you didn't see that coming, huh? I, I was a little bit, I was almost feeling like, and, and you know, all right, I, I don't want to steal your thunder. But if you had told me you could get Jacob Eason where the Colts picked him or Jake Fromm where the Bills picked him, holy shit, I'm taking Fromm every day of the week. Oh my God. Yes,
1: absolutely. And for those who don't know Jake Fromm, the guy has played in a national championship. He is incredibly accurate. He's very cerebral. The knock on him is his arm strength. And he, another one, was terrible at the combine they they said that his arm just looked like a wet noodle out there well okay fine and that's going to be a very different skill set but apparently he is just incredibly intelligent that he reacts and uh, anticipates what's going to happen on the field better than most out there and you know here's the other thing they, they mentioned this in the broadcast but it's true there's a number of quarterbacks whose arms have improved after they got to the NFL, including Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. So, you know, if those guys can work on their craft and improve, so can Jake Fromm. And here's the other thing I'm not sold on Matt Barkley in any way, shape, or form coming in and winning games. Maybe he's excellent as a backup because of the information it gives Josh Allen on the sideline, but. I just don't have any faith that that guy can come in and win games if Allen gets hurt, and this kind of hedges you against that. And even if uh, if we're looking at it, maybe Josh Allen doesn't take a step forward in season number three. This hedges against that. The other thing it does is, what if from turns in, turns into one of the best backups in the NFL? Well, now you've got a trade ship, a trade chip where you can you can send him off for better than a fourth round pick, and you know what that's a that's a good card to have in your back pocket
0: yeah i i i really really liked the fromm selection, especially the more that I thought about it the more that I read through the reviews out there and people make a big deal out of the fact that fromm never seemed to really make that next step forward after a tremendous phenomenal freshman season uh, at georgia where he were it not for some defensive miscues, Georgia could have you know, won the national championship. And Fromm really was a stellar uh, performer for that offense. I think Fromm's biggest advantage over Matt Barkley is, you're right, his arm can develop. And I think he can have a stronger cannon of a throwing arm than Matt Barkley does. And I feel like his upside is more impressive than Matt Barkley's. With Barkley only having one year left on his contract, let Barkley and let Fromm be the two, three uh, in whatever order you want to say for Josh Allen. I don't, I don't want the bills to go in there and just keep Allen and Fromm. I think Barkley's guaranteed to be around this year because you need a veteran who has been through the rigors to step in in case anything happens to Josh Allen. But next year, yes, Fromm is going to be the number two quarterback. He's a better version of Matt Barkley. I feel like the fact that his anticipation, um, is going to get better. I think he's going to have a chance to really study, uh, if he works with Jordan Palmer, especially who's working with Josh Allen, I could see Fromm taking a big step forward. And even though again, you know, you, you, you can point to the lack of pop on his throws and the lack of his physicality as far as his stature. And he has smaller hands, uh, for a quarterback being under nine inches. I still feel like, he is able to, with his ball placement and with his intuition, he's a good investment for Buffalo to make with their backup quarterback position. It only costs you a fifth rounder. There's no real risk with this pick whatsoever, and I feel like it was a, a good decision for Buffalo to address a very sneaky need in the backup quarterback.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would call it exactly that too, sneaky need. Um, it's You don't think about your backup quarterback until your starter gets injured, and then... <laughs> all hell breaks loose
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely and and look for people out there that want to say that this is akin to Nathan Peterman getting selected in the fifth round out of Pittsburgh shut up just there's the door go leave right now fromm is much better than Peterman uh ever will be in the nfl so I'm very happy with Buffalo ad- adding to their quarterback room with Jake fromm the fifth round pick number 167. Now let's do the lightning round for these final three picks, Jamie, because we are coming up on 35 plus minutes here on the pod with the final three selections. Buffalo went after a kicker who I think we should all talk about right now. Tyler Bass. I get that he's got a strong leg. I get that he's got some impressive YouTube videos out there showing him making kicks in tremendous difficult circumstances, But I just I told you in the teaser for the podcast while we were chatting in the introduction, I didn't think Buffalo should use a sixth round pick on a kicker, especially one who has never made more than a 50 yarder and who only made 80 percent of his career kicks uh, at Georgia Southern, 54 of 68 for his career. Even though he had a great week at the senior bowl, I just don't feel like this was a good pick for Buffalo. What about you
1: you don't draft a kicker unless you are hundred percent sure that they're going to make your team and he may not make the team. That's a wasted pick.
0: Yeah, I agree. I look no offense to Tyler Bass. I hope he catches on somewhere. If he has an amazing camp and makes me eat crow by showing that his leg is stronger than it really was on tape, then awesome. The bills nailed the pick, but I don't think,
1: well, yeah, we both be. want that.
0: I, I would <laughs> love it. If every bills, if every Brandon Bean pick turns into the best case scenario and I, I also don't want to hear people say, oh, he's a great touchback kick kickoff guy. We don't need a kickoff specialist on the 53 man roster. So either Bass earns his spot or see ya have fun on another team. He's not meant to be in Buffalo unless he again emerges and proves all those doubters to be wrong with his skill set. So I am not a fan of Tyler Bass. I thought it was kind of a wasted draft pick. Coming up next in the sixth round, Buffalo went to Isaiah Hodgins out of Oregon State at another tall athletic receiver to the wide receiver room. Isaiah Hodgins, what do you think?
1: Well, he brings a very different skill set. The guy's 6'4". He's got 33-inch arms. He's got almost 10-inch hands and a 36 and half inch vertical leap. My God. He, I I mean, he can probably take quarters off of a backboard if he were playing basketball. Um, His 20-yard shuttle time was excellent, but his long line speed is slow. We may be looking at um, this guy being a slot receiver or perhaps a special teamer as well, but I I like the size. It's worth rolling the dice on this guy in the sixth
0: round. See, I'm with you, Jamie, in the fact that I think it's a great pick, a roll of the dice in the sixth round. I actually think... Hodgins has the ability to really be a solid, you know, contributor at the wide receiver position. Because if you read some of the reviews from people who were opposing scouts or opposing coaches, this guy just catches everything that's thrown his way and he doesn't drop balls. So for me, I feel like, and when he's getting accolades as having some of the best hands in the 2020 draft class, I think this guy was an absolute steal. To get at the end of the sixth round, uh, I think he's somebody who really is going to contribute along with Gabriel Davis, giving Buffalo a much different dimension to their receiver room. And this, of course, means that Buffalo is going to be saying goodbye to some of their receivers in their room because right now there's too many guys and not enough chairs between Stefan Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley. I think this is going to be the end of Robert Foster, Nick Easley. See you later. Ray Ray McLeod, thanks for the memories. And Isaiah McKenzie, I don't know what the guaranteed money they'd have to eat with him, but I just don't see any way that McKenzie makes the roster if Davis and if Hodgins perform the way we think they will. Um, My
1: concern with Hodgins is the videos that I've seen of him since yesterday. So I haven't seen an awful lot. Uh, It looks like he has a hard time getting open. Every reception I've seen him make, he was well covered. So that may be that, that may be an issue a, at the NFL level. Um, but I'm with you. And oh, by the way, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, they signed him to a minimum contract. So I don't think he's even showing up on the salary cap. I don't think there's any guaranteed money in that deal.
0: Well, in that case, that makes it even easier to uh even though he he has no real financial commitment and I like Isaiah McKenzie as a gadget player, but I feel like Buffalo can replicate that with their current guys and Hodgins look, you know, if he struggles to create that separation at the line of scrimmage, I feel that's something that can still be worked on um, during training camp when he gets is he might not contribute right away. He's not, but he's not expected to contribute right away either, because again, he is looking at being the seventh or sixth best receiver in that room right now. So I feel like that's a real nice luxury that Buffalo can have to fall back on somebody uh, who's as athletic, athletic and talented as Isaiah Hodgins is with those great hands, not blazing speed, but I think he's going to get take some time and he'll eventually make his way uh, into a valuable contributor for the Buffalo Bills on offense.
1: Do you remember David Nelson, the wide receiver that was really tall and was dating the Dallas Cowboy cheerleader? I
0: do. I do. He, uh, very underwhelming career outside of the Dallas Cowboy cheerleader.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was that was impressive, but um, he could he could wind up being that type of player because David Nelson, though he wasn't an overwhelming player, he still got his catches and got himself open with his height.
0: And he and you're right, he could start off in the slot. That could be a great place for him to really, you know, see some occasional snaps and get confidence in his ability to beat his defenders downfield. But I think that it's a low risk, high reward kind of move for the Buffalo Bills to draft Isaiah Hodgins, and then their Mr. Irrelevant for Buffalo is Dane Jackson, the cornerback out of Pittsburgh. Uh, I know you mentioned the fact that you don't like his recovery speed And I I agree, he's not the fastest, but I like the fact that this guy just seems like he's a resilient player, he's a battler, and the fact that he's able to sometimes bounce back from getting burned to still come away with the pass breakup. To me, I think that's really important when it comes to your cornerbacks, especially with somebody who is not going to be asked to be a CB1 or a CB2, he's going to be your Buffalo nickel, he's going to be the guy that really steps in. And handles those nickel responsibilities. I think Dane Jackson was a great pick at two thirty nine.
1: I don't love the selection. Um, you know he's got some he's got some side to side scoot to him, but he's going to get beat deep if if you put him on a receiver and that receiver decides to go long, uh, they're going to outrun Dane Jackson all day, and that that bothers me. So I I don't think I like this one.
0: Well, you know, with your seventh round pick, I don't think many people expect to find that stud out there. But for what it's worth, I think Dane Jackson will at least have a chance to compete for reps and show what he can do. Uh, Again, 39 pass breakups and four picks uh, during his career at Pitt. He had 26 of those breakups over his final two seasons. So again, he does seem to always be around the ball and you hope that he can improve uh, on his ability to track and cover the receivers on the deeper routes out there that will wrap up the seven-person Buffalo Bills rookie free agent class. We will move forward in future podcasts talking about the undrafted rookie free agents that are signed and what consequences this draft class will have for the incumbent members of the Buffalo Bills. But Jamie, for the time being, thanks as always for stopping by and giving some contrarian viewpoints. And I'm glad we don't always agree on everything when it comes to our bills.
1: To say the pleasure is all mine would be such an understatement. (laughs)
0: it's been really cool having you all stop by here on the bill eve podcast to get our thoughts on the 2020 buffalo bills draft class for my colleague jamie D'Amico, we want you to get involved with our podcast by giving some comments on the articles when they're published on buffalo rumblings.com and also give us feedback on social media find jamie at the Jamie D'Amico and I am at John Bacassino. We welcome your involvement on this fun podcast. We will be back next week talking more Buffalo Bills football here on Believe a Buffalo Bills fan podcast.